brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to The Japanese Bjork, that's Kobe, you know it's time. The AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. I am your host, Pam Benjamin, hanging out here with you. Good time. I'm very excited, scared all of those kinds of words together for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018, which starts tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. Have you bought your tickets yet? Come on. Buy your tickets now. I'm excited for the festival. It's going to be great. We have a ton of comedians. The t-shirts look amazing. The headphones just went out. So, I mean, of course that. Of course that's the kind of stuff that happens today. Uh, right before the real deal. All of our cords getting messed up. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a thing that's happening that sucks. I'm trying to deal with it. Can't hear myself. Uh, Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, is going to be here momentarily. I'll keep trying to fix this knot. It's not going to happen. I think I need to toss this cord away. Uh, well, I don't know what we're going to talk about today yet. Because I have not been able to pay attention to the news in that I've been paying attention to the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018, which is uh, trying to murder me. Ah! So, uh, yeah, that's exciting. Starts tomorrow. Please, please, please get your tickets. If you're out there listening to the AltaCast, um, please do that so that Mutiny Radio can survive. It's our big fundraiser for the entire year so really hoping to get some funds so that we can keep bringing you weird stuff from san francisco so that our narcissism can live on exciting times uh i'm gonna try to find a tether please enjoy actually here i'll have you listen to some uh, I, i know you love it oh actually i don't think i put it on this computer the uh very funny, hot, dirty pee and the sheriff singing political songs. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I don't have, I mean, I have kind of like nothing interesting to say today because all I can think about is the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival <laughs> and how I am freaked out uh, that it's, I mean, it's going to be, uh, it's one of those things where it's it's really, really, really organized incredibly well um but there's right now there's not a lot of audience still so which is upsetting for me just because everything's gonna be it's gonna be like a really great show there's 
fantastic comedians coming from all over the United States. Just um, texting Andy Picaro here out of first uh, Philadelphia and then LA, now LA, trying to get famous out there. Great guy, hilarious, hilarious, hilarious comic. And um, I hope that you guys all come for his shows and come see him uh, Thursday through Monday. So many amazing shows. Actually, tonight we have a free show at Spark as well at 5.30 to 7 to try to promote what's going on with the festival. Yay! Um, so I can't wait for Latoya to get here because I need to plug in and do some stuff. And So I'm going to let you guys listen to Cope here for a second while I try to get myself together. Everything's falling apart in here. Like my entire life is falling apart. It's awful and horrible and scary. Seriously, like I feel like, you know, the headphones go out now and you know, the battery for the GoPro is probably all fucked up. And I mean, I can only do so much. I can't, I can't control everything. Uh, I can't control when Latoya gets here. I, honestly, I am I'm a terrible host today. I have I have nothing to say cuz all I can think about is the gift bags and if Scotto's going to bring the stickers in time and getting to Spark today by 5:30 and cleaning the bathroom and sweeping the floor and cleaning the windows and all the other changing the light bulbs and buying the light bulbs to change them and trying to get people to still come and trying to promote. Like it is it's honestly like I don't know how to tell people that I'm the, like the only person working on this. It was so funny this week. Someone gave me an email. All of these great suggestions. Four days before the beginning of the. Really? Now you're gonna help me? Four days before the festival is when you give me all the marketing ideas. Yeah, information that would have been great eight weeks ago. Uh, yeah, Latoya just walked in. That's so great. So, so somebody today um, on Sunday. They wrote me an email about all how my marketing was shitty and all the things I should have done. And I'm like, I'm like, seriously? So I, I'm not gonna name names or anything, but it's it's a shitty email that basically says all the things I did wrong, except that that would have been great eight weeks ago when I needed the fucking help. I've never said that I'm good at promo. I'm not good at promo. I have a show every Friday and people are barely here and I tell everybody about it. And 
I don't know what to do. I don't know how to market. I'm not a marketer. Hey, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm not good at computers and I'm not good at marketing. You know what I'm good at? Standing on stage, putting things together. Like I'm good at like stage managing and making sure all the gift bags are here and all the t-shirts and shit, but I'm not good at marketing or promo. And so when four days before the event happens, I get an email talking about all the things I should have done. I want to say, fuck you. I'm working alone on this. You could have helped eight weeks ago. You could have helped. I've been working on this for six months. You could have helped four months ago. Actually, actually, I don't listen to people who give their fucking last opinion at the last goddamn minute. Those people who usually are judgmental like that usually don't know shit. Well, no, I, she had great ideas and stuff. It's just that these ideas, four days before, you know what you do? You save that fucking email for next week when the goddamn festival is over. You don't give it to me fucking four days before we open saying, well, you should have done this. Yeah, I should have done a lot of things. I should have never done a fucking festival. Like, there's all kinds of things happening. But you, you wait until I fail. You wait until after the festival you to give me. Failed. Not yet, but don't say you, yet. But You're you, not gonna fail. but you wait until after the festival to send me the email that says all the things that I didn't do right. You don't do it four days before. So I sit here and go, oh, so you had the fucking key and you chose to hide it from me? Like, what like, the fuck? Like the like the physical key? Well, the key to everything, the key to marketing, oh. the key to getting butts and seats here. And I mean, because so the way I work is grassroots, like. You have friends, your friends tell friends, friends tell friends, friends show up. And now I'm being told, you can never count on your friends, you can never count on your friends. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, my marketing scheme is like, hey, you met me, you think I'm cool, come to my fucking show. Like, that's all I got. That's all I got. You, you met me, you think I'm funny, come support the show. You you go to Bender's on a regular basis, correct? Oh, I go everywhere. I did okay. a show last night. And I passed out flyers. And I okay, okay. Yeah. so that's guerrilla marketing. Right. The flyers that you give each and one of us to pass around, that's another side of marketing. The, thank God but for But she said media. that flyers, she said that flyers are no good because not, it's for it's for raves and stuff. That flyers no, okay. that flyers are not no, a good investment because no. flyers people look at that and they go, What is this? And then everybody said, Well, you didn't have anybody's names on it. I'm like, how much how much information do I have to have on the I can't put people's names. I have to put the names of the shows. There's themed shows. So all these people are like, I Well, you didn't name any specific people and I'm like What's the point of naming specific people when none of us are anything yet? Like, none of us have draw. Like, all of us have about 1,500, you know, likes on our uh, pages or whatever, which is all pretty similar. I disagree with the factor of the flyers uh, do not work. I, I feel like if you just did flyers and no social media, absolutely, yeah, of course. But that's not you. You want to combine kind of like the gorilla. Oh, my God. What the hell? Uh, Pam found a nasty ass I just hairbrush. Found a hairbrush on the ground. Please you don't should, brush your you hair. You should mm-hmm. wash your hands. You don't know I where know, they're I been. Know. Well, I'm gonna clean. I have to clean the whole station today. But I mean, the flyer. The, I'm sorry. The fly, The flyers still do work along with pinning along uh, social media. I mean, I do not disagree with that. I rely too heavily on 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 Facebook, and I admit that. But that's been. I've built this station on Facebook because it's the only. It's the only um, program that I understand on the internet and how it works and how to tag and like I know there are I don't understand Instagram so I don't do it I, and I don't but, have a smartphone I don't understand Twitter so I don't do it because I don't I don't have a well, smartphone and and I know that that's all moving along but telling me four days before 
that what I'm doing isn't working. It's like, yeah, I know it's not working. Like you telling me why it's not working four days before is not helpful at all. You wait, right? It's, it's, you wait until after the festival and you go, hey, for next year, we should try this. And then you say, fucking we, because I did everything I could. I did everything I knew how to do. And if you knew some butter fucking special way, why didn't you tell me about it eight weeks ago? Like, if you knew, if, if you had the key to the fucking promo car, why didn't you give me the key so I could start the goddamn thing up and drive out of the motherfucking driveway? Couldn't, didn't have, I barely even a car, if a fucking wheelbarrow, right? And I'm running around like, all right, I got a wheelbarrow. I got a wheel, I got one wheel, whoa, let's go. Because that's all I understand. I've been asking for help for six months and I've been getting nothing from, not nothing, I can't be so... People have been helping, Jonathan. People have been helping, but not in like the capacity of, hey, I'm really good at marketing. You're not. I'd really love to champion this for you. I would have loved to not have to champion the marketing. (sighs) If it makes you feel better, I'm kind of going through a situation with the marketing uh, thing. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing a Oscars uh, party I'm emceeing. When's the Oscars? It is this weekend. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh my God, I'm competing with the Oscars. I'm so dumb. Well, I mean, I thought it was March 12th. Right. But it's actually this week. I'm like, oh shit, that's this week, this, this right. Sunday. It's Sunday the 4th. Yeah. Um, so I'm, someone put my name out there to emcee it without asking me in person. <laughs> um, I hope she's not going to listen to this podcast, but please, if I'm going to do something, ask me in person. Don't give my name to a third party. And so you're me. you were booked and you didn't even know it. <laughs> you're yeah. booked Sunday and you had no idea. Yeah, you were booked to MC an Oscar party. Yeah. <laughs> and at where? Um, it is at uh, Grotto Wines, Bayview, cool. cool, Third Street. Wine, uh, love it. Yeah. So if you have time, which you probably won't, because it is the deep in the heart of the festival, you should come down and drink some wine and, you know, and make fun of the. So are you making yeah. fun of the Oscars? What's happening? Doing both. Doing both. Are you gonna dress so, like Beyonce? I'm gonna dress up. I'm gonna be. Hell I'm gonna yeah. wear something like glittery and gold. But yeah, the, hell yeah. The person that put this together, I was asking about sound. I was asking because I don't have all I have is a um, do you need a, a mixer. Do you want to borrow so, my portable PA? Well, I think we're gonna borrow from the Bayview Opera House. Oh my which god, is nice. Um, but so you can have this as a backup, sweetheart. That's the Job Rocker Max. I use it for that's all the shows. At Costco. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, and it's all there's a. Behind the curtain is a rolly cart, so you can roll it. You get take the you take all the stuff that's in that little thing. I'll show you before you leave. You are welcome to come pick it up on Sunday and Thank borrow you. it because it is it's loud enough for everything. It's waterproof, which is amazing. Wow. It has a Bluetooth technology so that you can make you can make a playlist on your phone and then have it talk to it, and you can bring the volume up and down and switch between the microphone. You that's can pretty dope. Yeah, it's super dope. That's what I was see. I had actually thank you because I had mentioned that to the person that put this together because I don't think she knew what she was doing and she uh, texted me last night about putting an IG Instagram that is uh, an Instagram like uh, post about it and I'm like well you can't post events like you do on Facebook on IG that's not how it works unless I do a whole page for the event huh. and so and you tag the you hashtag the event 
Well, this is she doesn't know how Instagram works. I don't know how it works either. So, and basically, she was like, "Well, why don't you just do a promo?" And I'm like, "What do you mean a promo? You, we have to. The language here is not. It's conflicted right now. So basically, she wants me to do a video promoting oh. um, my page, which I'm like, that's all you have to say. Sure. Uh, you know, I'll do that, but Instagram works very, very fast." You would have to start. I would have to do a video. I would, I'll, I'll do a video tomorrow and Friday because the thing is not until Sunday. Because how everything works in social media, things turn quick. You can't promote something two weeks from that uh, the event and expect people to remember. Especially on Instagram, you have to keep going out there over every day, every day. And since I got this short, I mean. I didn't know until last week, basically, that I was doing this. This event. is crazy. Yeah. Well, you can borrow. You can have. You can borrow the PA. I think I'll be fine since and, we'll thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that we'll talk be to her scene. though, because if you have to get like, if there's this crazy load in, and if it's a PA with a soundboard and all that shit, it is. This thing is easy. It I want to get one for myself. Well, they, they don't sell case. them at Costco anymore, but you can get them ah! online at other places. Yeah, they're a little that's more how, expensive. That's how Costco is. That's they, how they get they you. you. They get you they in, get and you. Then they like fuck it. We're gone. We're sold out. Well, that sounds fun. I, yeah. I there are fun things that people do. I just don't get to do them anymore because I'm always here doing shows. You know what was the worst failure last Friday on Pamtastics? What? Not not only did one comedian not show up, but nobody in the audience. My door guy didn't even, neither of my door guys were actually able to be here. So it was me and three comics. And we ended up just doing a podcast. That sounds Because I, I, that's the first time it's ever happened in six years that we had no audience whatsoever to even Where do you think do everybody's show. going? Not here. I know. I, I mean, my ass is at work, unfortunately. Um, but where, since there's no more brainwash, is there another spot or like what's... Well, uh, Slate Bars kind of picked up the slack on shows, so people could be there. Uh, it's a hella funny thing. They have really great marketing. Um, other things that happen on a Friday night. I mean... Is it the fact that maybe a lot of people are leaving the city? Well... <laughs> could that I, be a fact? I don't, I don't know. I think it's that... I don't know how to market to people that like comedy, because I don't know where they are. Like... I know stand-up comedians, so I can always have an open mic and it will be well attended because the comedians are their own audience. But when it comes to showcases, like, I don't know who, it seems like people think, say they like comedy, but then they really don't, and people don't, people don't go out to it like again and again and again. It's like a once every three month kind of thing. Like, I guess I'm gonna go see some comedy. It's not, there. I think there's other things they do in the city. Well, here's the thing. I think we mentioned this last week. <laughs> talking about how you can't put your finger on people here in the city the demographic here in the city is really fucked up meaning you don't know if they're going to go out on a friday night or a saturday night or a thursday night like people spend so much money paying for their rent that they can't i mean it's, oh it's, these it's, young kids have so much money some of them do i read a yelp review um and someone had complained about benders and how the regulars are so mean and and there was a <laughs> I know there was a karaoke night the other Wait, night. There was a birthday Salt party. Ass. I know it was. It was. <laughs> I'm sorry. So yeah, no, going. no. So I can I can't even read it to you. It's really <laughs> funny. Okay. It's uh, another thing. Add that to the chart of another reason why I don't like this city. Soft ass motherfuckers. I am tired of soft crybabies. 
Okay, so I was here. I was at the bar at both of these things, right? And um, this is very funny. And if you don't know what Benders is and what it's about, then don't go. Don't go. I mean, it is kind of a punk rock kind of place, rock and roll bar. So you're not going to get someone that's going to be all smiling, Kool-Aid smile. The, here, this is this is so okay, funny. Okay, so reviews, Bender's Bar. This is from a girl named Jenny L. So we were all in the back patio. Jenny. I came here one Friday night, and a few other patrons were in, a few of the other patrons were incredibly rude to some of us for no reason. One of the regulars, I assume because she basically laid claim to the bar saying that her name is on it and that the owners would be back, would back her up in kicking us out, came over to our table, slammed her bag down and demanded that we leave. She proceeded to rant and curse at us very aggressively because she believed us to be tech scum ruining her city. <laughs> Honestly, if I had been by myself or with less people, I would have felt pretty unsafe given her extremely angry attitude. I understand this is not really in the control of the owners of the bar, but I just want to warn others. I hope this doesn't happen to anyone else, but I'm just being honest. Anyway, there are two pool tables you sign up to play, and there's also a pinball machine. I did try their tater tots, and they were pretty good. The house-made ketchup, it definitely stands out and tasted a little like marinara sauce, actually. There isn't a ton of seating on account of the hole, and then it goes on, but she didn't scroll okay. down. I still fucking hate Yelp. You cannot, both places that I work at, especially one that I'm not gonna name, um, always, always depend on Yelp and its audience. Some people are just bored to fucking death and just wanna complain about some horseshit. Now, benders cannot control who walks into their establishment, okay? Yeah. That is not Bender's fault. It is a public place. Right. So you writing this <laughs> this Yelp is irrelevant. So It's somebody, basically saying, your regulars are mean. Uh, that's your what it regulars, is. Your regulars yeah. were mean to us. Well, I was there and Katie was kind of mean. And she was like, she looked at him, she was like, yeah, I'm being a cunt, but go to another bar. like. I mean, that's basically what she did. She was she like, was in the wrong. she was like, I'm being cunt, absolutely. That's but being I'm wrong. a regular here, and you, yeah. If she called him out for being techie scum, and they, they were, they were rich little bitch children being but, like, I'm in the back patio of vendors. I can smoke but, here. Oh my god, I'm gonna do coke in the bathroom because I can afford that it. That is in the wrong for her to do that. Yeah, Though absolutely. I think that shit's kind of that, that shade is funny as fuck. So, but, but she is in the wrong for doing that. But which I mean, but I mean, I, I get it. See, the, add this to another reason why I don't like SF. There is a whole different segregation dynamic of people who have been here for so long mm -hmm. and then grew the up new, here. Yeah, and you know, I'm not just going to blame the tech industry. There are some lawyers out and people that work in the financial district are very who are scummier. Mm -hmm. So let's not get it twisted. Um, there is a rich poor dynamic here because there is no middle class. Right, exactly. Totally rich poor dynamic. And it's actually really ripping the city apart. Absolutely. And it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. In, as we see. Here's, what, here's another one. This is another one. This was from. This was so Ashley. Had a birthday had a birthday party on a Sunday, and she wanted to have karaoke. So she convinced Johnny, the owner of the bar, because they're friends, can I please do karaoke on Sunday? Because Sundays are usually pretty dead. So the like. 
the counter offer made they were like slammed my buddy greg was slammed but it was great everybody made money the bar made tons of money and so she had karaoke she had punk rock and slot come in she paid for the karaoke host to come in and it was great i got to sing four songs and it was amazing now this is here is here is the yelp review for benders while the bartenders provided excellent service, the system by which people get chosen to sing is pretty AF. What's AF? Um, ass fuck. Ass fuck. I spent over $200 in the span of three hours, Damn. and no one in our party got a chance to sing because of this one girl with a shaved head got mad that one of us unknowingly walked across the stage. She yelled at us about it. And I think... That could have been sufficient, but maybe blacklisting us from singing was a bit too far. Left me with a bad taste in my mouth, and that wasn't from the alcohol. I really like this place, but I'm never coming back, and I'll be telling my friends not to go back, too. These are some real white people problems. (laughs) It (laughs) It was Ashley's birthday party. I'm sorry that you fucks came to a private birthday party at a public bar and you wanted to sing. But you know what? You didn't get you didn't that part of the party wasn't wasn't part of you. You it could was, sing, was it you not could open dance to the public. No, it was. I mean, I, you could okay. put your songs in. It's just that Ashley made it so that only her friends could sing because she paid for the karaoke. Okay, so that's I would be mad too. I would have been mad. I've been one of Yeah, one but of it people. wasn't promote I mean I know, but don't but don't say that don't accept my songs though if I'm not gonna be able to sing. Cause I'll be mad too. Like, listen, happy birthday, Ashley. But if I can't See, sing, but there's don't n- offer it. There's like, never karaoke on Sundays. Karaoke is actually the following well, Friday. I known that shit. So well no, but she kept saying it. The the um host kept saying, Hey, this is Ashley's birthday party. Uh, but everybody, if you want to sing, it's last Fridays of the month at Benders. It's the last Friday. So it was just like a special thing for a special day know, for a well, special then, girl. Then just tell people, like, listen, we're only accepting songs from the Ashley party because I would have been hot too, but I would have went on Yelp and cried like a little I bitch. I know, right? That's, that's the difference between it. You just, you know, dust the... Sh- that's the dirt off your shoulders, man. There are a lot bigger problems in this world. And you guys want to bitch about Yelp? And see, when I go into work today, I'm going to hear some bullshit about some Yelp review. Not about me, though. But about, like, how the service here or, like, you know, the eggs were dry. Or, like, you know, my my beer, it didn't taste like Stella enough. Or some stupid shit. Because that's what you... Oh, I fucking help you, help, hate Yelp sometimes. I Well, because- I don't even know how to get... I mean... Yelp actually helps people. Like, I wish that we could get people to fake Yelp us here and be like, oh, it's great. You, you, you don't want to be great. a part of that. You don't want to be well, part I of that. Well, I don't, I don't know. You're, I, I would suggest more like doing like more Snapchats or IG. I don't know Snapchat. I don't um, understand that. I don't understand Snapchat. I don't have a, I still have a dumb phone. I don't, I just don't that- want to have a smartphone. I, it makes me crazy when, so I'm on the bus last night and I see a lady playing on her smartphone and she has a lifeline pass just like me. Well, if you can afford a motherfucking smartphone, you don't need a lifeline pass, bitch. Like, <laughs> seriously, I am on food stamps. I can't afford a smartphone. It makes me crazy when I see people that have food stamps and they have smartphones. I'm like, well, so you have enough money for your you smartphone? you can also go to the pawn shop and get them dirt cheap. And yeah, you but it's still them. like a hundred bucks a month for the service. Yeah, but it depends who your service is with too. Like Cricket has a special too, uh, where you can get like service for $50 a month. There are ways to get a cheap smartphone. But I will say this, if you do 
maybe it is a sign for you that you might have to upgrade to like an iPhone. I can't do it. I won't do it. You, you might have I to. I will not do it. I will never have a smartphone. I cannot and will not. And I don't think I should be forced to. I don't believe in computers in people's pockets. I don't believe in it. It's not a phone. It's a computer. Not only does it have like tons of radiation, it's a fucking computer. We should walk around with it willy nilly. Also, I don't. I think it's unhealthy to have access to Facebook all the time. It's like it, my self-esteem is already linked too closely to Facebook and I don't even have internet at my house. So if I had access to it all the time, it would be a disorder. I would wake up in the middle of the night to check things to make sure. So, I mean, I cannot have access to technology that ubiquitously in my life. Is it, it is, the fact that you wouldn't, you know, that you wouldn't use it in moderation? Is that what it is? Of course not. If I have a TV in my pocket, I'm going to watch TV all the time. I don't have screen at my house because I used to have, I mean, I'm 43 years old. I went through this in my early 30s. I had an addiction to TV. We spent like $150 a month on our cable and I would go to my stupid job and be there for eight hours a day. And I would come home at 530 and I would sit on the couch and I would watch TV until I fell asleep. I would watch it for five, six hours a night. And I thought that I was a good person because I was like, we don't have a TV in our room, in our bedroom where we sleep. So then I just sleep on the couch. It was so <laughs> dumb. I watched like five hours of TV a day. I'm at least like 40 hours a week of TV. So it was like my job was 40 hours and watching TV. And that's just vapidly consuming images. And there's no critical thought really to it. You're just, and you're just watching. And you know, sometimes it comes commercial, sometimes it doesn't, whatever. But but don't, don't you think, cause I am a TV person and that's one thing about myself I do hate, but don't you also think it depends on what you are watching? Like I am a sucker for like documentaries and stuff like that, rather than like I'm, I can't yeah. sit there for five hours and watch reality TV sure. because I I I've done that before and I because you like, don't want to keep up with the Kardashians. I ah, get it. I don't give a fuck. Ah, I don't give a fuck about Kylie Jenner breaking Twitter or whatever that is the fuck. The worst. She did. Okay, so Kylie that Jenner kind of steps shit, out with a that kills your brain cells. That shit. I'm I'm serious. Well, the Kardashian watch it. Watch an see, app, watch an hour of that. There's you lose. so much that's going on with how we're programmed to look and to act and to be when these people, we create celebrities out of just regular people. We make them celebrities just because they have money already. Right. I don't know, the glorification of what's happening, it's just, it's just capitalism, it's just capitalism in the entertainment industry. But you also have that choice not to watch that too. Like, I watch a lot and of I news. And I don't. Mm -mm. I watch a lot of new, uh, news and documentaries. And then when I'm done, I, I'll watch some garbage. I'll watch. I have two garbage shows that I will watch, and I'm not going to say. But no, no, don't out yourself. But, but I mean, I think it also depends on what you are intaking and what you're watching. Just like, same with books. Like, if I was to read a Rush Limbaugh book, <laughs> right? You got to know your enemy. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Like, I'm ingesting this garbage when mm. I could be reading something a little bit or much educational yeah, yeah. and less conspiracy yeah. theory so it's about what you're conspirator intaking. well you know all of us are uh, us conspiratorial uh liberals my dad sent me speaking of speaking of this <laughs> oh. my dad sent me an email this week that was so offensive what's what pop that i had i had to i had to write back to him because it was so offensive to me oh shit and um and I just, I didn't understand it is the thing that made me crazy too. Let's see if I can find it in my email here. It's so hard to find where things are because I'm, uh, 
like it was that it was that offensive it was so offensive it hurt my feelings because it was about food stamps and i sent this to my dad i sent a message why won't it show up um keep talking about something while i try to look i will um so is it basically uh going back to the whole yelp thing i i think sometimes it's irrelevant and it, I think, honestly, some of the Yelp reviews are really comical. They're really funny because you just have people complaining about stupid shit. Oh, Knowing stupid the goddamn shit. fact that there are people starving in this world, you're complaining about silly, mm-hmm. silly, goofy shit. <sighs> yeah, well... I get, I get, and then, on top of that, employers actually take these fools seriously. Why would you take these? Mm, okay, I don't know. so it's the last here day I, of Black I found it. It is the last day of Black uh, History Month, and I didn't do enough to celebrate it. I did. I'm black every day. Okay, so this is. <laughs> oh. Um, oh right. These are all his terrible memes that are super. He sends me these super memes. How do you starve a liberal? Hide their food stamps under their work boots. This offends me so greatly because you're saying that work, you're saying that labor has no value. You're saying that people that have work boots that are maybe electricians or building things or digging ditches or fucking working and building houses and building things, you're saying, and yeah, a lot of them are on food stamps because they can't afford to feed their families working 40 hours a week with a real job with actual fucking labor. And then you write this, how do you starve a liberal, hide their food stamps under their work boots because they fucking work? You assholes, you sit behind your computer and you pass around your memos because you're so fucking smart and I went to college and that makes me so much better than everyone else. College kids Fuck on food stamps now. you. Lazy Republicans. Lazy. Um, You want to sit behind a desk and get fat and have a family and a pool and all this shit when real people are fucking working. And then you say, hide their food stamps under their work boots? um, What is wrong with you? Can I I say something? Absolutely. Um, He's also trying to state that it's only liberals. Ha ha. Oh, touche, mon frere. If you know about anything about the state of Mississippi, West Virginia... Kentucky. Republican places, yes. They're all red states. Hmm. Daddy need to do some research, baby. Yeah. Because, by the way, those people vote Republican. Right. And if we... Let's look up the... uh, Which state has the highest percentage of of food food stamps? stamps? Mm. Yeah, let's do some research right here. This made me so angry. I'm still, like, really incensed about it. Because we're... And We're perpetuating the, 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 the divide. It's a, it's, a, it's a lie and it's a stereotype that people who accept or take food stamps do not work. Now, they just let's, said, though, let's, work boots because they're working. Let's talk about how much Walmart pays their employees right. hourly or Amazon. Let's talk about that. And how, how much it costs for health care when places like Walmart will only give you part-time work and will only cover you for um, insurance if you work a full 40 hours. So they have people work 38, 35 hours a week. They have them work just over part-time. So they don't have to pay for their medical expenses or their medical insurance, which by the way, people pay up to like 1200 bucks a month to have medical insurance for their families. Oh yeah. So it's like you work, if you work even with minimum wage being $15 an hour in San Francisco upcoming, if you work 
40, 50, 60 hours a week, you still can't afford to have a place to live and medical insurance and food to eat. And then the Republicans say hide the food stamps under their work boots. Like we're not working hard enough what, because that work isn't valuable to you, but you couldn't live in your fucking house because you can't mow your own lawn. You know, like gardeners are real people that do actual labor and they make your house pretty, you rich fucks. Okay, so I have here, this is the um, USA Today, states with the most people on food stamps. Number seven, Louisiana. Ooh. Ooh, that's a red one. Uh, number six, Tennessee. Ooh, Ooh. we're getting redder. Oh, come on, Daddy. Come on, tell me more. Number five, Oregon. Yes. Oregon? What? Oh, yeah, Oregon. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of land in Oregon. Oregon. Wow. It's per capita, so they yes. have a lot of land yeah. and not a lot of people. But the majority of them are white in, in Oregon. That's or, interesting. That's the funny part, Isn't too. That funny? Okay, Dad. All right. Oh, number four. I think I mentioned this one. West Virginia. When, yeah, West Virginia. Oh, number yeah. three. Here's another blue one. New Mexico. Really? New Mexico? I'm not surprised. Because, oh. of the, because of the reservations? Why do they have so high food stamps? I don't know. Maybe they just don't like brown people there. Okay, we're not done yet. That was wow. number three. Wow. I think I mentioned this one as well. Number two, Mississippi. Mississippi. Oh, Big right. Big food stamps. Yeah, more oh. Republicans. And then you want to hear number one. Yeah, what is number one? This is where our government lies. District of Columbia. Are you fucking kidding me? The number one place for food stamps is D.C.? Yeah. Which technically is not a state, but... That is crazy. Isn't that fucked up? That is so insane. Okay, this is the thing I just oh, learned about right. D.C. D.C. is so fucked up. They Weed is legal in D.C. But? But <laughs> you can't buy it and you can't sell, sell it. it. So you can grow up to six plants, but you can't buy it and you can't sell it. And check this out. If you go over the border, like to Virginia, and the cops catch you, you go to jail. You go to booty house. So it's crazy that in the District of Columbia, so you could walk like one block and no longer be in D.C. Right. And you can get... Busted. You can accidentally, even the way that it goes, sometimes you're in Virginia and don't even know it, you could just be black and walking through the wrong neighborhood and you could go to jail because of the weed you have when it's legal in District of Columbia. It's, and there's no signs that's like, now you're in Virginia, okay. now you're in DC. Going back, speaking of black, um, which DC is predominantly a black city. Now, if, you, if you've ever been to DC, you know where our government lies and then there's kind of like, when you cross the tracks, yeah. you, they, you're going to the other side of DC. Sure. Most of the people that work for the our government do not live in the District of Columbia. Because it's expensive. No, they just, they don't because it's too dark. Oh. Um, most people live in Virginia or Maryland because you're all surrounded right there. Some people do live like in Georgetown. That's the higher end part of DC. Um, but a lot of those jobs, who are employing those people in DC? It's the, well, I guess, because if you, you house cleaners, I guess, if you're a rich person that live in DC because you're in the government itself, they hire. What's the majority of people I, that, got, are, that are hired? That, I mean, they're, no, no, I would don't have give to say, me, I mean, don't, I, I mean don't which, me. which color of brown do you think that I, I don't know which color of brown? Well, I mean, basically, the local government, or not local, excuse me, the federal government ignores its own constituents sure. in its own fucking city. Yeah. It 
it employs some but not all the fact of the matter that you have these two classes in the district of columbia yeah. where they have to accept food stamps when you can just look at the fucking capital across the skyline sure. tells you basically that you're <laughs> DC's completely fucked up. Yeah, it's not working. It doesn't work. They're not working been, for us. Ever since the 80s, since the crack epidemic, they have been neglecting the city, the, the city of DC, for many decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Marion Barry, he got to do Ma crack, and he still got to be the... Marion Barry, during his first term, was mayor. trying to clean it up. Yeah. Which was aiming toward more of a middle-class city for um, African-Americans. But Daddy Benjamin... You need to do your homework. I know. Because I see most of those states on that list. I see two blues and mostly, and mostly reds. reds. Well, this is crazy stuff. He sends Nancy Pelosi. Oh, and, and granted, she looks like Skeletor has a sister. But there's a picture <laughs> of her looking a little wacky. And it says, in California, they don't hide the crazy. They dress it up, elect it, and send it to D.C. Um, Dad, you used to live here in California. I know, I know, I know. Um, so wait, they're just surrounded all by these little This white is terrible. Folks. It's really simple. If Americans won't vote Democrat, then I will import people who will. They, they're just so scared of immigration. It's like our country was built on immigrants. They're scared of everything. They're scared of people kneeling. Let's see. They're scared of people getting food stamps. I, I bet you they go to a Walmart. And by the way, if your parents shop at the Walmart, they're helping those people with the food stamps. So here's another one that pisses me off. They've got... Someone's holding a sign and it says patriotism is racism. And the meme underneath <laughs> it says, this is why the left loses elections. Here's another one. Oh There's a picture of Bill Clinton and he looks like Skeletor. Bill Clinton 71, Donald Trump 71. I don't think it's Trump's health we should be worried about. Have it, you seen his hair? Yeah, he's not a real person either. Uh, Have you seen his weight? Let's see if there's more things that are... A liberal is a man who will give away everything he doesn't own. What the fuck? That was a quote by a guy named Frank Dane. That's basically what my dad used to say when I was little is that, you know, Republicans are people with money that want to keep their money. And, and Democrats. Democrats are people without money that want to take Republicans' money and give it to their poor people. Um, here's the thing I have to say again. How much fucking money do you need? If you need more than a million dollars a year, fuck you. Seriously, how much do you need, you entitled piece of shit? Like, what do you spend your money on, you rich people? How much money do you need? Last night, okay, I'm talking to one of my buddies, Kendall, and she has an amazingly huge heart, and one of her friends is having some trouble with uh, fentanyl, and he's living on the street, so she brings him blankets, because what a sweet lady she is. Um, yeah, and she, they start getting, but they start getting sprayed down by the street cleaners. And the street, instead of saying, hey, you gotta move your stuff, the street cleaner just takes their hose and start, and it's been cold at night, and just wets all of these blankets. And I'm like, so wh why are we fighting each other now? And it, it's, it's almost like we don't care. It's been cold. There's tons of people living outside and that sucks. And, but we have so much money in, in this city alone. These fucking little kids that are yelping about benders being mean. Like you walk by homeless people every day. I don't have enough money to help people. I mean, I'll sometimes buy somebody something with food stamps. They'll be like, you want some potato salad or something? And I'll get them because I'm on food stamps too. And if they don't have access to them, I can at least share. But like, we, are, I'm saying we as a people, as a group are dicks. Um, 
I do, I don't believe in giving a lot of people money really that much anymore. I do believe in helping people. Because they're gonna spend it on fentanyl. Yeah, I don't, and not, that is not, that's not all people either. No, no, not yeah, all people, but, but, a but lot those of people right on Yelp, when's the last time they've probably given up their seat to an old lady? Or when's the last time that you've like, gave your takeout food to someone that was hungry? Or when's the last time you did give someone a blanket? You know, and you're worried about or people being mean and stuff. If you're working at Google, you have access to so much food. You can't take an extra thing and give it to the person when you're walking back from BART. Like, there are so many people that don't have. I mean, I've seen people here, and not even just here, but in other cities that if you've seen someone in distress, people just keep walking, keep on their phones, and just mind their business. I'm like, actually, you should help that person. Like, when I've heard someone like cursing somebody out, I start cursing at them because I'm like, leave that person alone. That person's not able to stand up for themselves. So I'm gonna stand up for you. And like, if you go crazy, I'm gonna have to probably run and get off this bus too. <laughs> but I mean, that's why I, I can't stand some of these assholes on Yelp that scream about like people being mean and I'm so soft. You know what? Take a look outside your fucking window and yeah. see how mean these people get or how how mean these streets are. These exactly <laughs> right. There we go. I mean, now I am a person. I do judge some people sometimes, especially where I work in the tenderloin, where there are some base heads that get on my fucking nerves sure. and who want to get up on my face and try to flirt. Yeah, I'm, you're gonna get cursed mm -hmm. out. Yeah, no, I'm like, you ain't got no pot to piss in. Where, yeah. where right, are you gonna take me? You, yeah, why, where are you gonna take? Boy, go get a job. Go get some. Get your life. <laughs> it's uh, it's and it's well, back to the fentanyl thing. There's this other thing that happened. Uh, three of this girl's buddies died last week because of fentanyl oh, overdoses. Man. And check this out. They weren't even heroin. They weren't even. They weren't even dope junkies. They thought they were smoking meth. They smoked, now, and this blew my mind, right? So they thought they were smoking meth, it had fentanyl in it, and they all overdosed. Now, I have Fuck. a buddy who does heroin, Fuck. and he said, you can't ever overdose from smoking heroin. But if it has fentanyl in it, you can. You can overdose from smoking it. And that's a, that's like a rumor that's been going around. Oh, you can't, you can never overdose from smoking heroin. But yeah, now you can. Yeah, you so can. someone was smoking meth, and they died from fentanyl. Three people. They thought. Three, three people, they were. yeah. Three people smoked meth. Now they're all dead. And that's this fentanyl stuff, I know this is last week. This is. I'm yeah. sorry. This is. That's really fucking scary. Now I don't even want to do any drugs. I don't do Here, this is this is This is a sad one. I don't know which particular African American woman they're, they're making fun of, but it says, I stand here as a freed slave. Freed 148 years ago by President That's Lincoln. That's Sheila, uh, Sheila Johnson. The people that represents. owned her and sold her could not be reached for comment. You know what? Fuck your daddy. I know, right? Fuck your daddy. I'm done. It is Black History I'm Month. I'm done. That's it's Sheila Jackson, too, representative in uh, Houston. She's a representative in Texas. Fuck you, dad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right? I was taught not to disrespect people's parents, but this, but is, this a, is some this ignorant is, shit. I know. Freed 100, you know what? And 148 you know years was not that long ago. It wasn't that, it wasn't that you long know, ago. When was the civil rights movement, dad? Yeah, okay? the 60s. When, exactly. Okay? When were, when were uh, African Americans able to move into everyone's neighborhood? Dad, housing yeah. discrimination, dad. Yeah. When
when did Jim Crow end, Dad? Wait, Raisin okay. in the Sun. A Raisin in the Sun Let's, was written in 1958, and it is a great play, and it completely outlines. Let's keep it going, Dad. What, what happened to there was there was a set, there was you weren't allowed in Chicago. You weren't allowed to live in white neighborhoods. So they saved up all this money for a year to get out of the tenements, and then they were told that they couldn't move. They bought the house, and they they I mean the highway highway 94 yeah Interstate 94 in Chicago. They built that highway there in Chicago in the 1950s to stop people of color moving into the neighborhood. So there's the highway that basically is the wrong side of the track. Yeah. Once you cross over there, hey, if you're a person of color, you are not able to stay over here in these parts. Right. Man. Dad. Yeah. You know what? Shut your white ass I up. I know. I'm tired of these. I, it, you know what? It's the last day of Black History it's Month. The last I am day tired of, of ba- Black History Month. I'm tired of these saltines, man. It, I need more Ritzes. I need more white people with flavor, y'all. It's, I'm tired of these stale saltines. Yeah, I'm about to get really ignorant up in this shit. No, I, hey, I completely understand. I'm tired. You know what? Use your privilege right, white. Yeah, use <laughs> you, your privilege Use your privilege right. like these kids down in Parkland. Use your pri- privilege for some purpose. Yeah. Guys, God damn it. Yeah. Shit. Absolutely. And you know what? Maybe you guys should take a like a DNA test because I hope some darkness pops up in that his genetic pool well, I, just to punish his ass. I just I I know that <laughs> I come I know that I come from racists. I know that. I know that I was raised in a really not purposely segregated, but it was segregated through money. Danville, you know, there were four black kids in my entire uh, high school class of what was it? Four, there are 400, so it was 1%. 1% of my high school class was black because it was Danville, and there just were no African Americans because it was segregated by money, and it started in the 80s, and hopefully, I would hope there are, that it's, it's probably less more brown of a white people now. community. <laughs> I mean, but it's so expensive to live there now. It's like, I just, I, just, I don't I, know what the answers are, I but just, I think it's that these Republicans who think they're better than everybody else and think they deserve all this money. But I also I also feel as a, a person of color coming from a predominantly white town in the Ozarks in Missouri, I people can't use that that definition. Well, I didn't grow up around these people. I didn't oh. grow up about around a bunch of my people mm. until like I became a teenager. But sure. I knew what ignorance was. And th- maybe it's be- it's the way I was raised and the fact that my grandparents own their own business and they help these poor white people when they didn't have any fucking lights because my my grandparents turned on the lights for them because they own their own their own electrical company. Wow. So I mean there were I, candles in the dark. Yeah, cracker ass. Yeah, but I, I mean, the fact of the matter, I, I don't want people can't use that excuse. I, I just, it just, it just really pisses me off. I mean, it. it I know. Well, people need to read books. Right. <laughs> go travel. Exactly. And um, go see at, the world for God's if, sake, if, if you can afford it. If you it. look, if you look to places where people are incredibly happy and in their their life, the quality of life is different. You can look to Norway, you can look to Sweden, you can look to, and not just to these white countries, to Copenhagen, but they're, to Denmark, I mean, they're sort of socialist run countries, to France, where everybody gets, where socialism has existed for hundreds of years, and where people get a month off every year, and they go around the world, and they, they go and they wait, and they're, I cannot even do the accent, but <laughs> I, I'm not, uh, I'm not gay, my name is Guy, I'm a regular American guy. 
Um, but there is a quality of life for all that comes with socialism. And there's a quality of life for some who are worth it or good enough or because they love Jesus or because they work so hard and they think they're so good. But you know what? You were probably born on third. Now, I'm a, I'm a bad white person because I was born on third base. And I didn't take out. I didn't. That doesn't I didn't, make you a bad white person. Well, it does because I didn't. That, does that, be because that doesn't make you a bad it, white person I, at all. It does. It makes me a bad American did, because good Americans make lots of money and spend lots of money. Good Americans are consumers. Good Americans take out loans and buy cars cars and get things they don't need, but they think they need them. Suddenly they need, need, need. Suddenly they need a car and they need another car. Everyone needs a car and they need to have children and they need to spend money on their children because their children need things. And these things, these needs and these wants, these are not needs. These are wants. And what's really happening is there are people with needs. Like one out of every four children in, in the United States right now does not know where their next meal is coming from, is scared about food sources, one out of every four, is nervous about where their next meal is coming from. That's insane. Especially, this is Especially here. in this country. Especially in this country. So when, when we're not, you know, a, a, a social society can be viewed on the way that it treats its children and its old people. Well, I, again, I don't think this country has really had a real conversation about classism. Mm -hmm. And that classism is kind of that's what all societies have had an issue with and the fact that we haven't talked about it because with classism comes the racism but mm. the fact that matter is that we're not talking about the classism because there are these your dad that posted that fucking stupid meme that saying that the liberals you know how, how to take away their food stamp or starve a liberal he doesn't even know the fact of like first of all those people voted the same way that you do right who are on food stamps? You're not having the conversation about classism. And that is something in this country that we fucking need to talk about as well. Yeah. We're talking about racism. We're talking about sessions. Let's throw some class Let's up on that some bitch. Classism in there it's, too. it's slowly starting to tip the surface right now because of, in certain cities, what gentrification has completely done. And not just gentrification, and I'm not I'm not saying it's a, a bad thing, but also to the classism part of where the middle class is mm. slowly dying. Yeah, no middle class. And those people, that middle class, I mean, that is well, actually the heart of what this country is. And I feel like we're creating this bizarre new paid slave economy with yeah. Uber and Lyft and Instacart and DoorDash and Uber Eats and all these things where now we've trapped people into these sort of, like for example with Lyft, you can get a car, but then you have to make so much money to pay for the car and it's a lease and it doesn't pay for the tires That's and you still have either. to pay for your own insurance and you're still, there's the gas and it's, you have to work so hard to even make minimum wage when they tricked you and said, oh, now you get to be your own boss. Right. And it's like you get to be your own slave to everyone. Exactly. That's like you're a slave to the economy. and. So there's there's all of those new it's it's this new service economy because the rich people are like I don't have time to shop. So I need this, you know, I need my Amazon. But, but it's, we're making those people lower class. There's no middle class. It used to be that that kind of job would be a middle class job like being a taxi driver. Like you could make enough you money being a taxi money. driver. You could make $70,000 a year money. being a taxi driver. Now you can't. Yeah, and then even like my father was in um he he used to do construction and construction used to be a very it's a very lucrative job um, if they pay you 
Sure. Um, but you, the work is seasonal. You don't know when you're going to have your know, work. There were people that that was just their job. My dad, probably being the last generation that he made money until he started getting high with it. <laughs> and, you know, that was that pay, bought our home and stuff. And my mother was working at the time as well. So but now take the fact that, of course, construction, they, they're trying to buy people for cheap, mm. cheap labor on top of the fact that I mentioned this earlier, Walmart doesn't pay their people. Mm. They they uh, they don't give them benefits. Amazon, who's coming under fire now, right, not paying people. Yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you expect when these people, the CEOs are getting all these bonuses so and, and the workers are not getting a goddamn thing? Yeah, we're just enough, just enough to survive. But then that's the thing is that the quality of life goes down as you're doing something that you don't really want to do. Right. Unless you really love driving people around and talking to them. Like, it could be awful. Or, I mean, if you really love shopping, I guess Instacart is great for you. But if you don't, you're working so hard and then you're working for rich people and you're not seeing the benefits and when they don't tip. And here's the thing Instacart does. They put the tip at the very bottom so people actually have to scroll a bunch to get to the tip. And if you just press OK, then Instacart gets extra money and the person who delivered it doesn't. Doesn't get anything. Because they make the tip. I'm like, they should put the tip thing at the top. Like what Lyft does, at least. Like Lyft, you have to you have to at least like before you close out with your Lyft after your ride's done, give them the stars, give them a tip. Right. But, But I mean, with that's all said, how are people supposed to save money for their children to go to college? Right. In which college? How cheap is that? Well, but real Americans just take out loans against their houses when and their kids it. are in car. Yes, <laughs> and sometimes lose it. Absolutely. Because they're borrowing against, because they fooled us into believing that when you paid for your, if you're old and you paid for your house, you're sitting on a gold mine and you should, like my parents did it. They bought a house, but they reversed mortgaged it. So they took out all the money in their house. And when they die, their house goes back to the bank. And they said, well, we're not leaving you anything. And I'm like, that's great. I'm a socialist. I'm a Marxist. I don't believe in leaving money to your kids. I don't believe in it. I think that it should be for everyone or whatever. I believe, I believe you, you should get something. That's just me. I just, Especially I, you have to deal with your daddy and uh, these memes. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just. But, but I mean, the, the socialist. You don't, you don't, you don't hear anyone talking about classism and it, it just, yeah. it. There's a great speech that Martin Luther King wrote in 1968 before his assassination that people really should take a look at for your last day of Black History Month. Mm. Oh, speaking of, yeah. did you know that the uh, maxi pad was developed by a black woman? That sounds amazing. In 1940-something? That's amazing. Because they used to have weird, you just, well, it was called being on the rag for a reason. You actually You had to use rags. a rag. Classism is similar in many ways to racism, sexism, heterosexism, and other forms of oppression. Mm -hmm. Like other forms of oppression and prejudice, it is the tendency to make sweeping generalizations or stereotypes about people such as poor people are lazy. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's nice, right? I'm sorry. No, I'm just, that makes sense. Classism, the last socially acceptable prejudice in America. Because although, although... Trump is really bringing racism back in a big way. He's really bringing he's it making, back. He's, ma- he's making he's it cool making, again. Yeah, he's making it hot again on the streets oh, where wow. I could walk down the street and someone's 
will be like, nigger! And then I'm going to have to fight somebody. I've been hearing a lot of the N-word just about being tossed about and not by black people. By uh, just Things are getting crazy on the street. And not even by Filipinos. It's been, it's been, I've been hearing a lot of N-words. I've been, heard, I've been hearing a lot of just like anti-immigration shit oh, yeah. and like, especially here in California. I'm like, bitch, don't you know what California used to be? Like, oh my God, how many times do I have to tell people you are in Mexico technically? Yeah, we, you are in Mexico. You are in Mexico. Uh, all, dis- all types of discrimination in America are frowned on either by liberals or conservatives. I don't know, agree with that. Racism, sexism, and other types of discrimination still exist, but not without vocal resistance from broad swaths of society, except for one, classism. You can still discriminate against people for being too poor, and few will complain. For instance, the uber-liberal San Francisco, you can still find this, quote, I know people are frustrated about gentrification happening in the city, but the reality is we live in a free market society, (laughs) saying that he arrived in San Francisco only three years ago. The wealthy working people have earned their right to live in the city. They went out, got an education, worked hard, and earned it. I shouldn't have to worry about being accosted. I shouldn't have to see the pain, struggle, and despair of homeless people and as uh, to and from on my way back from work every day. This is crazy. I shouldn't have to see the pain, struggle, and despair of homeless people to and from my way to work every day. <laughs> okay, that hits the nail right on the, on the nose, dude. That is that is SF. It's a hundred. What were we I just went, talking about? I went to school and I worked hard, so I deserve everything. I'm an entitled fuckbag. Seriously, poor guy. This is this is exactly what you're talking. This is the Bender's this is, moment. This is the Bender's of, moment. This yeah. is yeah. Poor guy. As someone who has lived in San Francisco since 1992, I can tell you for a fact that I think people like Keller are going to do far more harm to San Francisco than the homeless. Keller was rightly roasted for his letter, but it's just a letter. It's not important. What is important is what happened a month before. Quote, they're hurting us like cattle, he said. Within weeks, McKinney's neighborhood had grown from a couple of dozen sporadic encampments to San Francisco's most visible tent city. At least 100 tents stretch over a dozen blocks, side streets, and alleys. Many tents, even the pop-up pup tents, house two people and at least one dog. Even jaded San Franciscans are stunned by the sight. Like the Super Bowl 50 signs skewered on social media as cheesy, vulgar, and unnecessary, Mm -hmm. the new homeless encampments keep reminding San Francisco that the upcoming parties for the largest sporting event in the nation are not for everyone. We, so this was we about that. We, we were we were on point right, on that. Right. Well, because they just they were like, get them out of the city. Get See, them out of the is, city. Get this is what's going on here. That is, it's it's boiling. It's a tipping. It's a tipping point. Seriously, because people mm. are starting to fight. <laughs> Literally, yeah. and I'm actually I'm enjoying the white on white fight, by the way. But it is classism. It's it, classism. It's, it's classism. But I and I do understand the other person's point of view about seeing the fact that all these tent cities are popping up. They need to mention the local government because this is the problem. The local government has not done anything but only provide tents for these people. Sure, you're enabling people that actually need help. Right. You're you giving these people a tent and then popping up. Where are they going to go to bathroom? Number one. Yeah. I mean, that there's there's a new there's a new group of people living um, on 18th and Bryant in front of the Calumet. Oh, I know. Uh, photography I know thing. And there's two people. They have lots of bikes. They've got dogs. Yeah. And I'm like, are they cool with this? Like, I guess. But in they've been there for like a week and a half now. And I mean, 
does I don't it, know if it's a safe place. I feel like that's thank you. a safe so that, place. Does that kind of bother you a little bit as well? Like the fact that like you see that. The thing that bothers me is that there's nowhere for them to live. It's not that they're living in a tent. I feel like if someone's living in a tent, we should give them a safe place to put their tent. But even more than that, I don't think that people should be living in tents. I feel like we have enough money and we have enough empty, we have enough empty Thank buildings you. in the city. <laughs> right? Why can't we like take over? <laughs> like there's, there's entire floors of the Transamerica building that have nothing on them. There's Why? grants to be done. We live in the most richest city yeah, right. here in the United States. We have like Google, Facebook out here. Like there are condos being like yeah. built every right. single fucking day. That's what I, that's what pisses me off. I don't want, no, I don't want to see people in tents because it's not comfortable for them. No, it's Plus not. again, where are they going to go to the bathroom? Where are they going to go to the bathroom? Um, and then what, what is the yeah. status? Like, are they mentally ill? Are they, are they drug addicts or are they just, did they oh, just lose their home? Did they, exactly. They borrowed against their home. Exactly. Put their kids in college. Who knows? Right. The thing that makes me crazy is that the majority of the questionably how that I see are 50 and above. Yeah, they're old. They're yeah. old people. A lot of them they're are old, old people. They're fucking old people and we're making them sleep outside. It is so cold right now. And we're like, yeah, old people, fuck you. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand I don't why this, it. this local government's like, hey, it's a good idea. Let's just pass tents only for them to destroy the tents right. when they get pushed off. Right, right, right. Which is yeah. just, just like when that. When DPW, they give them 10 minutes. They're like, you got 10 minutes. Otherwise, we're taking all your shit away. <laughs> that shit don't make no sense. In a backhanded way, Keller is right. We do live in a free market society and your worth as a human being depends entirely on your financial wealth. I hate that statement being true, but it's actually very true. We do live in a free market society and your worth as a human being depends entirely on your financial wealth. Cities across America are making laws that punish the homeless in ways that they wouldn't do to stray animals, just like we have sit-lie laws. Vice News obtained NCH's third and latest report, which was set to be published later this month. The outlet reports that, incredibly, at least 33 municipal bans on public, publicly handing out free food have been enacted across the U.S. between January 2013 and April 2014, reflecting a sharp increase in communities with such restrictions. That troubling number is less surprising to anyone who's been following the issue of food sharing at the national level. Many cities have been actively stepping up their fights, not against homelessness, but against homeless people. It's amazing to think that cities will tolerate people feeding homeless dogs and cats, but not homeless people. <laughs> Liberals give frowny faces over this kind of law, but there is little mention about an equally important statute, the criminalization of sleeping. Quote, laws against camping, lying down, and begging in public spaces can quickly get expensive for those who live outside, and the criminal justice system awaits those who cannot pay. But what about taxpayers? What does it cost to enforce laws that target the homeless? a lot. According to a new study released by the University of Denver's Sturm College of Law Tuesday, to report too high a price what criminalizing homelessness costs Colorado found that six cities spent a combined $5.1 million on enforcement from 2010 to 2014. Denver spent more than $750,000 in 2014 alone. To complete the study, the college Homeless Advocacy Policy Project added up the policying court and jail time costs associated with the laws that targeted homeless populations, like curfews and camping bans. A total of 351 such laws exist across the state's 76 largest cities. Denver spends an average of $645 on each citation it issues. 
so it costs to fuck with the homeless. Like, yeah. why can't, yeah, if it costs exactly. $645 to give a citation for a person sleeping on the street, right. can we not give them the fucking money and have a place for them to stay? Like, this is insane for me. If it costs $645 to criminalize someone for sleeping on the street, why can't we, I mean, because SROs in this city aren't even $645 a month. I mean, rent should be, okay. we shouldn't have to pay more okay. than $600 a month for rent. And this is, and you going to the rent factor too, this, this is why people end up on the street as well, because the fact of the matter that they can't afford it. Now, Ellisat? given it that it's people's public property and they are homeowners, they they can choose however they want to rent. There are housing, there is housing available that the government can, the local government here can at least regulate to save for, you know, have a work program or sure. something like that. Yeah. Other than, uh, other than, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, the, um, God damn it. They have a, I knew someone who was in it. They had subsidized housing. They subsidized had to, housing. They, Thank they you. paid $300 a month, but they had to work like 10 hours a week right. at a, at a job to have their discounted rent. Uh, and it's a great deal, but it's very it's, hard to get into. It's a list. It's a it's long a list. list. You have to start in the shelters, and you have to be on lists, and you have to get it. It's very It's difficult. tedious. It's, it's tedious. not, I mean. Well, but, this is the other thing. This is funny. Jonathan and I were talking on the bus last night about food stamps, because I'm just so incensed over what my dad sent me with this meme. But when I, it is not easy to get food stamps. No, it's and not. So, but all these people, when you're getting food stamps, they like... You have to jump through a lot of hoops and they decide whether you get them or not. And it seems silly to me because nobody applies for food stamps unless they need them. I mean, and, he, and there's a, but there's a, there's this idea. There's an idea that, well, people are just trying to take advantage. No. no, 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 no. If you're applying for food stamps, you probably need food stamps. Do you know, like no one just applies for food stamps because they're like, I should get free food. You don't need it unless you fucking need it. And there's a stigma against it anyways. So why would somebody apply for food stamps that didn't need them? So you don't even, I feel like they waste a lot of time, like making you jump through all these hoops to check that you're poor. I mean, if you right. think you're they, poor, you're probably fucking poor. They ask you how much money do you have in your bank account or do you have a savings account? I was on food stamps like 10, 11 years ago. And that was after I lost my job. Mm -hmm. I did have money in the savings to pay rent. Right, right, but right. other than that, I I needed my $140 a month. Yeah. My friend and my roommate and I, or my friend and my neighbor, went, sat in that tedious eight hour line, yeah, yeah. sat there with some dusty ass folks too. <laughs> this is in Chicago, and waited yeah. to get asked these questions to right. even see if I will even be able to, if I'm eligible to get food stamps. Sure. So, I mean, the process is not, or, or if you missing paperwork, you got to come, right, back, come back. And, and then if, it, if your name's spelled wrong, something sure, is of off, yep. you know, it's not like, hey, it's not like a fucking drive through where you right. go and be like, hey, here's, you want some free food? There you go. There you go. And it only lasts for a certain amount of time too, right. until you're able to get off your feet in which eventually I was. And so those like six months of me being on food stamps helped me a lot. I didn't need them after that anymore. Right. And plus they kicked me off because they saw how much I was making. And then it's fine. And it's, if you have enough money for food, I ain't mad at food them. Stamps. Yeah. But, I'm taking, I would be taking away someone else's food that actually really needs it. And it's interesting that district of Columbia has the most food stamps because the 45 has this new idea that oh, he's instead one. of having yeah. food stamps, he's going to send us. Yeah. Like, like blue apron or something. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. 
what if I'm allergic to mushrooms right. and they give me mushrooms that day? Right. So I don't eat now because I don't like mushrooms. Powdered milk. Or, like, I right. Are you things. fucking kidding me? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's like a what kind of cheese? Maybe. I, I mean, how do you know cheese. what people are allergic to? If they like peanut butter or almond butter, if you don't like that, like you don't know how I cook. Well, I eat a lot of potatoes. Meats. Like <laughs> gross, right? I mean, why should? But it's it's basically saying that rich people have worth. And poor people are worthless. You, here but, you go, scum. The Just reason eat that, this candy. The reason that people are poor is because of the system that we live in. Mm-hmm. It's not about if we valued Bleach. work equally and we didn't have these entitled fuckballs that want to make $350 million plus dollars a year for sitting in a comfy chair and looking at Twitter. Like, I don't even know what our president's... Anyway, I'm but, not... We're going to... But, but also, too, you can't have... There is a way in, well, we don't have much of a democracy anymore, but there is a way to live in a system where, yes, you are going to have wealthy folks. And then after the wealthy, you're going to have rich folks. And then you're going to have the upper class. And then you're going to have the middle middle class and lower class. There is a a way to live in a society where, yes, there are going to be different classes, but we're all going to be working and we're all going to at least be comfortable. There is such way where there, especially in this country, the fact of the matter is, the the employers do not pay these people because right. they rather take their, the money that they could be distributed out to their workers. They use that as their bonuses. They'd rather enslave people in Mexico and China and Indonesia and, and Bangladesh. That's America. They would rather move their manufacturing to another piece yep. place where they can Cheap enslave lip. other people by paying even less. Absolutely. And getting low taxes. And low, yeah. low taxes. So, I yeah. Know, we talked it, about that last week. The right. It's trillions system. of dollars in offshore accounts that aren't being taxed because the rich people are too good for that. They're completely outside the system. <laughs> they're not so rich. It, they're wealthy. They're wealthy. <laughs> uh, of course, criminalizing homelessness is about as effective as criminalizing pot, plus giving a homeless person a criminal record for the crime of sleeping is a surefire way to make certain that they can't stop being homeless. <laughs> Quote, having a criminal record record makes it harder for individuals without homes to access education, employment, rather cruel, cruelly housing. Jail time often means missed appointments for public benefits like Social Security and Medicaid. Criminalizing homelessness anchors unhoused individuals in perpetual poverty, the study says. Yep. To the Obama, Obama administration's credit, there was finally a little pushback on the federal level against the trend of criminalizing homelessness, and even the courts were getting involved. But these weren't actual solutions. Real solutions require much bigger changes. For example, anyone who lives in the San Francisco area knows that the many homeless people are mentally ill and incapable of taking care of themselves. Quote, more than 124,000 or one-fifth of these 610,000 homeless people across the USA suffer from a severe mental illness, according to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. They've, they're gripped by schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or severe depression, all manageable with the right medication and counseling, but debilitating if left untreated. Oh, here comes that healthcare thing yeah, again. Right? <laughs> uh, in a normal, healthy society that has actual human empathy, we would recognize that these people are victims, that they require compassion and help. But as Keller pointed out, we don't like in a nor- we don't like in a normal healthy society. Oh, we don't like in a normal healthy society with actual human empathy and compassion. We require these disabled people to heal, heal their mental illnesses while pulling themselves up by the bootstraps that they can't afford. <laughs> and if they can't do that, well, they will be punished. Quote, according to a report by the Treatment Advocacy Center, which includes the anecdotes above. 
American prisons and jails housed an estimated 356,268 inmates with several mental illnesses in 2012, on par with the population of Anchorage, Alaska, or Trenton, New Jersey. That figure is more than 10 times the number of mentally ill patients in state psychiatric hospitals in the same year, about 35,000 people. Wow. Three times the number of mentally ill people on the streets are behind bars. It's medieval. It's certainly not civilized. In the 50s, people were shocked that mentally ill people were warehoused in asylums. So we turned those mentally ill people out onto the streets. And now we are back to warehousing the mentally ill, but this time as criminals. Thus, we've gone back to treating mental illness like they did in the 18th century. Very few people, even liberals, make a big deal about this because classism is simply accepted in America today. Being homeless in America today is like being in the untouchable caste in India. There are so many far down the social scale. They are so far down the social scale that they are virtually invisible, even to liberals. The homeless are just the most obvious example of classism. There are other more subtle examples that sometimes it takes a foreigner to see clearly. Uh, quote, another characteristic of the new upper class and something new under the American sun is their acceptance of being members of an upper class and their cons condensation, condescension towards ordinary Americans. Try using redneck in a conversation with your highly educated friends and see if it triggers any of the nervousness that accompanies other ethnic slurs. Refer to flyover country and consider the implications when no one asks, what does that mean? I'm confused. It's quite possible when you read this that you were puzzled about what his point is, and that's the point. It's the soft hypocrisy of liberalism in America today. Quote. Preach. <laughs> I'm a British immigrant and grew up in a no I'm a British immigrant and grew up in the northern English working town. Working class working town. Class. Taking my regional accent to Oxford University and then British civil service. I learned a certain amount about my own class consciousness and other people's snobbery. But in London or Oxford from the 1970s onward, I never witnessed the naked disdain for the working class that much of America's metropolitan elite finds permissible in 2016. When my wife and I bought some land in West Virginia and built a house there, many friends in Washington asked why we would ever do that. Jokes about guns, banjo music, inbreeding, people without teeth, and so forth often followed. These Washington friends, in case you were wondering, are good people. They'd be offended by crass, cruel jokes about any other group. They deplore prejudice and keep an eye out for con unconscious bias. More than a few of them object to the term illegal immigrant, yet somehow they feel the white working class had it coming. This is why some of those people voted for Trump, too. Yeah. Uh, this is... Preach, brother. It's almost bizarre world how so many extra-sensitive liberals who would never, <laughs> ever tell a racist joke and are careful to use the very latest socially approved euphemisms for race and sexual preference have no problem at all stereotyping poor, working-class white people, i.e. prejudice. What is even more enlightening is that this very same prejudice doesn't apply to rich white people who might be just as racist or ignorant but are still free of that stereotype type, type by virtue of their wealth. No, I hate on them too. So the crime of redneck isn't having white skin. 
His crime is being poor. The problem with classism in America today isn't a legal one. It's a cultural one. But unlike racism and sexism, we are not prepared to recognize that classism is a problem. Hell, most of Americans are in such denial that they fail to even acknowledge the existence of class itself. So the idea that people shouldn't be discriminated against for being poor is a concept that is so far outside their reality, they don't even recognize it as discrimination. I use the example of poor whites, not because they are more likely to be the victims of classism, but because discrimination against minorities is automatically assumed to be racism when it might not be true. Does that matter? Yes, if you want to eliminate prejudice. If a large portion of prejudice is being misidentified and mischaracterized, then it would go a long ways toward explaining why the fight against discrimination has such slow progress. It's sad to say that discrimination is alive and well and invisible in America. This was written by, uh, it says G. John Sit. So I don't even. Uh, I'm glad he used SF as uh, an example. That's a really great example. Yeah. Because as soon as we walk out those doors, that's exactly what we're going to run into. And yeah. I, the reason why I, you know, I feel the way I feel about this town is because, like, how dare someone want to charge me three G's a month for rent, but I have to watch someone defecating mm-hmm. on the street because our local government is just giving them a tip and not giving them any kind of hope or any kind of help. It's almost a joke at this point how many people I see taking shits on the street. It's like right. we joke about Last night I was hanging out with my buddy Unders. He's skin on skins. He's a leather worker. He's an incredible human being. And uh, if, you need, if you need anything repaired, go to Under. He's amazing. Skin on skins. But we're hanging out. And we just start talking about people pooping on the street. It's like it's a, a normal thing. conversation should, in San Francisco. And it, that shouldn't be a thing. We should have access to bathrooms for people. I mean, we're the richest country in the world. And we've got people shitting in the street? <laughs> like, like, yes, every single fucking day. Yeah. And now, I mean, this is another thing with the new fentanyl thing and everybody dying because of the fentanyl. Who wants to use a public restroom? You're going to find a dead body in there, man. (laughs) Actually, working at Bloomingdale's, I've told you this story before, how many people would come on that first floor off of 6th Street or Mm. 4th Street or wherever, use the the bathroom, getting high and overdosing. Oh, my God. It would happen quite often at the Bloomingdale's bathroom. I was thinking about carrying Narcan here in case it happens but then we talked about it Jonathan and I and he's like but if you have it here and something happens it's like you were expecting it or like you were okay with people doing heroin in the bathroom or and if I'm this like, was a spot where people would come right out. but I'm like I don't want that to happen but I understand that that could happen I mean right. I almost feel like everyone should carry it around at this point it, <laughs> it's really scary and the problem is that the fentanyl is so strong that sometimes it takes up to five Narcans to get them back so you give them one, doesn't work. Give them another, doesn't work. And they don't come to, and you're like, oh my God. And these things cost like 80 bucks a piece. Jesus Christ. So they made them really expensive. It's like, I don't, we it, just need to get fentanyl out of the hands of everybody. I mean, it, it actually, it, fentanyl should just be banned. That's yeah. the problem. If you listen, if you're able to ban Quaaludes, God damn it, why can't you ban fentanyl? People are dying. Like every single, 64,000 people in 2016 died of overdoses are you sick that's 64,000 people are that's a lot that I think is that almost as much as people getting shot 
vibe. I don't know, but I don't know. We like drugs and guns we here. We sure like drugs and guns. But I mean, it's and now it, now I, I'm always observing people who are coming to the bathroom, and I don't want to do that. Mm. Like sometimes there'll be some shady people that'll come up in here and want to use the bathroom, and then they're like, "We're ta- that that person's taking too long." This is a funny. This is a funny opinion piece from the uh, New York Times. It's called "Stop Pretending You're Not Rich." Uh, when I was growing up, my mother would sometimes threaten my brother and me with elocution lessons. It's no secret that how you talk matters a lot in a class-saturated society like the UK. Peterborough, our increasingly diverse hometown, was prosperous enough, but not of scale. Six in ten of the city's residents voted for Brexit, a useful inverse poshness indicator. Our mother, from a rural working class background herself, wanted us to be able to rise up the class ladder, uncumbered by the wrong accent. The elocution lessons never materialized, but we did have to attend ballroom dancing lessons on Saturday morning. She didn't want us to put a foot wrong there either. And as it turned out, my brother and I did just fine in no small part because of the stable, loving, middle-class home in which we were raised. Any lingering working-class traces in my own accent were wiped away by three disinfectant years at Oxford. My wife claims they resurface when I drink, but she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's American. I always found the class consciousness of Britain depressing. It is one of the reasons we brought our British-born sons to America. Here, class is quaint, something to observe in wonder through imported TV shows like Downtown Abbey or The Crown. So imagine my horror at discovering that United States is more calcified by class than Britain, especially toward the top. The big difference is that most of the people on the highest rung in America are in denial about their privilege. The American myth of media of meritocracy allows them to attribute their position to their brilliance and diligence rather than to luck or a rigged system. At least posh people in England have the decency to feel guilty. In Britain, it is politically impossible to be prime minister and send your children to the equivalent of a private high school. Uh, it, oh, it, it is politically impossible to be prime minister and send your children to the equivalent of a private high school. Even old Etonian David Cameron couldn't do it. In the United States, the most liberal politicians can pay for a lavish education in the private sector. Some of my most progressive friends send their children to $30,000 a year high schools. The surprise is not that they do it. It is that they do it without so much of the murmur of moral disquiet. Beneath the veneer of classlessness, the American class reproduction machine operates with ruthless efficiency. In particular, the upper middle class is solidifying. This favored fifth at the top of the income distribution with an average annual household income of $200,000 has been separating from the 80% below. Collectively, this top fifth has seen a $4 trillion plus increase in pre-tax income since 1979, compared to just over $3 trillion for everyone else. Some of these gains went to the top 1%, but most went to the 19% just beneath them. The rhetoric of, we are the 99%, has in fact become dangerously self-serving, allowing people with healthy six-figure incomes to convince themselves that they are somehow in the same economic boat as ordinary (laughs) Americans. And that is, that 
it is just so-called super rich who are to blame for inequality. Politicians and policy wonks worry about the persistence of poverty across generations, but affluence is inherited more strongly. More disturbing, we now know how firmly class positions are being transmitted across generations. Most of the children born into households in the top 20% will stay there or drop only as far as the next quintile. As Gary Salon, one of the leading scholars of social mobility, put it recently, rather than a poverty trap, there seems instead to be more stickiness at the other end, a wealth trap, if you will. There's a kind of class doublethink going on here. On the one hand, upper middle class Americans believe they are operating in a meritocracy, a belief that allows them to feel entitled to their winnings. On the other hand, they constantly engage in an anti-meritocratic anti behavior in order to give their own children a leg up. To the extent that there is any ethical deliberation, it usually results in a justification along the lines of, well, maybe it's wrong, but everybody's doing it. The United States is the only nation in the world, for example, where it is easier to get into college if one of your parents happened to go there. Oxford and Cambridge ditched legacy preferences in the middle of last century. The existence of such unfair hereditary practice in 21st century America is startling in itself. But I have been more shocked by the way that even supposed liberal members of the upper class seem to have no qualms about benefiting from it. The upper middle class is also doing lots of right, not least when it comes to creating a stable family environment and being engaged parents. These are behaviors we want to spread, not stop. Nobody should feel bad for working hard to raise their kids well. Things turn ugly, however, when the upper middle class starts to rig markets in its own favor to the detriment of others. Take housing, perhaps the most significant example. Exclusionary zoning practices allow the upper middle class to live in enclaves, gated communities in effect, even if the gates are not visible. Since schools typically draw from their surrounding area, the physical separation of upper middle class neighborhoods is replicated in the classroom. This is like what I was talking about when I went to high school. Good schools make the area more desirable, further inflating the value of our houses. The federal tax system gives us a handout through the mortgage interest deduction to help us purchase these pricey homes. For the upper middle classes, regardless of their professional professed political preferences, zoning, wealth, tax deductions, and educational opportunity reinforce one another in a virtuous cycle. It takes a brave politician to question the privileges enjoyed by the upper middle class. Recently, they have, there have been failed attempts to make zoning laws more inclusive in supposedly liberal cities like Seattle and states like California and Massachusetts. The handout on mortgage interest appears to be an indestructible deduction. Or look at the 529 college saving plans, another boondoggle. These are tax-exempt vehicles for putting money aside for educational expenses. Thanks to legislation signed by George W. Bush in 2001, any capital gains in these plans are free of all federal taxes. Most states also allow savings of up to a certain level to be deducted from state income tax. Almost all of the benefits of 529 plans go to the upper middle class families. But when President Obama proposed to end the federal tax break in 2015, uproar ensued. And not just from Republicans, liberal Democrats representing affluent districts killed the idea stone dead. Progressive policies, whether on zoning or school emissions or tax reform, 
all too often run into the wall of upper middle class opposition. Self-interest is natural enough, but the people who make up the American upper middle class don't just want to keep their advantages. Armed with their faith in a classless, meritocratic society, they think they deserve them. The strong whiff of entitlement coming from the top 20% has not been lost has been has has not been lost on everyone else. I now I see now that English class consciousness has an important silver lining. At least we know at least there we know that class is a real fact of social life. Posh Brits are more likely to see that their position is at least in part of the result of good fortune. For Americans to solve the problem of their deepening class divisions, we will have to start by admitting their existence and our complicity in maintaining them. We need you to raise uh, we need to raise our consciousness about class. And yes, I'm looking at you. This is Richard V. Reeves. That's that's one of the reasons why I do like the UK. Like they they're very upfront about their classism. That you know, and the fact that my, like Marcus, my boyfriend, who he came from a working middle class, a working class family, who worked hard but also had a free education, right? Which also helps, you know, living in that socialist uh, government. You know what? Uh oh. This is a this is a rebuttal from somebody. Uh oh. To, but, oh. to stop pretending you're not rich. Let's let's hear the rebuttal. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is basically. My brother is in this. Okay, my brother makes more than two hundred thousand dollars a year. He has a great house, and he thinks he deserves all of it. He thinks he deserves all the riches that are happening, and his family, and his cars, and all of his stuff, because he's worked so fucking hard selling whatever he's selling. These. Uh, my wife and I fall within the Richard V. Reeves target. We met at an Ivy League school in the 1990s and fall within his healthy six-figure income range. Our children attend an expensive private school. If you are waiting for us to apologize, don't hold your breath. That's not what the Mr. Reeves should leave the Beltway and meet some upper-middle-class Americans. It might be enlightening. We attended good schools because we studied hard. We're not legacies. No one else in our families attended an Ivy League school. If you met us 20 years ago, you would have seen two 25-year-olds with no money swimming in student loan debts in a roach-infested studio apartment in Manhattan. You lived in fucking Manhattan, man. We worked around the clock to pay off our loans, and then we started a business with $7,000 of our own money. We've made a nice living grinding away over the past two decades, which you are certainly free to characterize as good luck or a rigged system. That's what I'm saying. We send our children to the best schools we can find, and we do so without so much of a murmur of moral disquiet. Why? There is one reason. Over the last 20 years, we have paid millions in taxes. What have we gotten in return? Bad public schools not worthy of our children and $20 trillion in federal debt? And we are the problem because we want the best for our children? No, that's not what David I'm Anderson in Weston, Florida. Um, can you please read the article again, you I dumb know. fuck? Okay, so good for you. You started your business with $7,000. At least you had $7,000. Good for you. You became the great success that you are. That's not what the article is talking about. He's basically just read. Yeah, I mean, he's basically (laughs) saying, I don't feel bad for being rich. Okay, I paid millions of dollars in taxes, and what has it gotten me? You've taken my money and given it to your poor people. Your poor people. That is not what the article is talking about. it's, It's that we really need to take a look at classism and what that means and for those people especially i see it here this is a liberal town and there are a lot of, a lot of liberal assholes that will vote the same way as we do but we don't agree on the whole class issue i mean 
prime example is living here in SF, where you have these people that who do make seven figures and who will contribute to any Democratic candidate or what have you. Yeah. But I will also, ew, look at this poor dirty person over here. Or ooh, right. look at this server right here. I can talk to them in any kind of way I want. Or ooh. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's you, fucking I, I'm special and you deserve to work for me. It's basically, and now with all of the Uber and all of the, all that stuff, yeah. it's giving them servants. It's saying, we are a classist society. There are those who serve and there are those who pay money for things because they're good consumers. And and they justify it. I work so hard at Twitter. I move things around and I get, you know, I... I mean, I, I'm not going to... I don't want to take away people's shine of like, yes, you made yourself successful. Good for you. I'm happy. How'd you do it? All right, good. Yeah. That's not what the article is talking about. It's the fact that matter that you have people, especially liberals, who perpetrate as them being part of like the 99%, right. which you're not. You you If you're able to buy your own place here in SF, good for you. You are not part of the 1%, but you're not starving, okay? If you are able to have your parents pay for your rent and have them pay for your car, but you work as a barista, yeah, and that's just your play money, good for you, congratulations. You are not poor. There, but there's, 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 there's a whole thing within the 99% people need to talk about. There's a classism within that whole class. And, and no one Don't, can survive in the and, and you got a lot of pretend as dusty, wannabe dusty motherfuckers who come from wealthy families that mm. move here and like, you know, it's I entitlement. Gotta struggle. It's all entitlement. You, like, bitch, you don't have to struggle. Your parents got a nice ass house in Marin mm. and you can call them whenever you, yeah. whenever you need help. Yeah. People, a lot of people don't have that. God yeah. bless you that you do have yeah, that. You. Yeah. Good for you. But then say it's luck. Don't say you, it, you're entitled to it. That's the thing that makes me crazy is this entitlement. It's the same thing about the Yelpers. <laughs> Everything should always be perfect for me because I am pretty and I make lots of money. So everywhere I go, I should be treated like a princess because I am special. I am so special. I am so that's, special. That's part of that whole, I am special. That special, like, everybody gets I'm a Facebook ribbon. And I am special. Everybody e- said I was special. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody We're all winners here. Yes, like, no, there's some fucking losers here. You're part of that problem. Well, and that's the thing. People <laughs> consider you a loser if you don't have monetary wealth. What if, what if you're like... So that means Buddhist monks who've for, forsworn money and everything. That means that they're the worst. It's like they're the mo- they're the richest. <laughs> but they're the richest in spirit, and yet they are worthless in our society. Pierre, that's funny that you bring that up because it's a lot of the people that are looking for enlightenment. Enlightenment. Who are those people that are going over to those poor right. Buddhist monks right, right. that right. that can afford to go? I'm looking for enlightenment. Enlightenment, yeah. and I just want to take the sabbatical. Right. Like how white many- women doing yoga. I just want to learn about the yogis I just I really think I'm going to India for this spiritual I'm going to retreat India the, exactly and then, also I want to lose 40 pounds by getting weird dysentery and doing yoga <laughs> so I really feel like this is going to cleanse my spirit so I went to this Pilates retreat in Joshua Tree yeah and it was it amazing it only cost $4,000 for a week but it was so it worth worth it was worth it Classism in America can be seen in a variety of ways, perhaps the most familiar of which being the current state of the minimum wage. When the first national minimum wage was introduced in the mid-1930s, it was done so to ensure that all Americans were earning living wages despite the objective importance of their work. 
I that's amazing. I FDR, that's great. It was done so to ensure that all Americans were earning living wages despite the objective importance of their work. So it's saying, if you, that's exactly the thing I have a problem with right now. If you go to college and you sit behind a desk, somehow you're worth more. And if you actually build something with your hands, you're somehow worth less. Or if you take care of people's children, you're not worth something. But if you're it a does, teacher, yeah. If you're a teacher, yeah, that goes into it, what all you of said. that. The thought process behind establishing a minimum wage is that all workers deserve to feed and house their families, and that no one should be working for less than a living wage. Nearly 90 years after its inception, the minimum wage <laughs> is not enough to rent a nope. two-bedroom apartment in any of nope. the 50 states. Exactly. Preach. Any of them. Any. Showing just how low it truly is. No family can survive on minimum wage, and the overabundance of jobs paying nothing more than a meager $7.25 an hour are participating in nationwide classism. Yep. Yep. It was a ri- the original inception was so that everyone has a we could, living you could work because your work has fucking worth. He was basically saying your work is important. You are a good American and we want you to be here and we want your work to mean something. And now you work your ass off doing all kinds of things and you get nothing. And, get, and the thing is and like Lyft keeps getting money. When you when you have that equal advantage and that equal playing field of minimum wage in order to survive, it also helps build the fucking economy. Mm-hmm. Because when you have everyone having a livable wage, that means you're able to buy save spend time with your family yeah. have a be a good Get parent that buying stuff builds the economy wait and that only working 40 hours a week so you can actually be a good parent once your kids are out of school instead of having to work multiple jobs you can to save pay money, the rent save money for their school right. you know it, it builds it up by taking away when you're subtracting things it doesn't help it doesn't benefit the economy that's just basic economics 101 mm. like you paying someone 725 in in 2018 which actually when you take out taxes 725 you're only basically making 525 an hour oh my god that's it technically because you have to do the whole tax thing ladies and right, gentlemen right 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 but it's okay so the it's 725 an hour is is <laughs> what it is in the united states the average but there um there are other um states have yeah this do- is state minimum wages uh, Ours eight, is coming up in July. Right, and it, we're making it to 15. 18 states have begun the new year with higher minimum wages. Eight states, Alaska, Florida, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, New Jersey, Ohio, and South Dakota automatically increased their rate based on the cost of living. While 11 states, Arizona, California, Colorado, Hawaii, Maine, Michigan, New York, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Washington increased their rates due to previously approved legislation or ballot initiatives. Uh, the table below tells us what it is there is no minimum wage in alabama what yeah see this is how y'all vote yeah. alabama none alaska 984 american samoa varies arizona 1050 arkansas 850 california 11 except That's uh it's moving up to yeah 15. to 15 effective 1 1 22 it's in four years that it'll be at 15 Colorado, it's Cal- San Francisco's different. Oh, okay. California that's, as a California state. California, the state. My Colorado, bad. 1020. Connecticut, 1010. Delaware, 825. DC, 1250. Florida, 825. Georgia, 515. Oh, God. 515 <laughs> in Georgia. I was making that in the 90s. Yeah, right? What? Guam, I, I, it's unbelievable to me. Guam, 825. Hawaii, 1010. 
Idaho, 725. Illinois, 825. Indiana, 725. Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, all 725. Louisiana, none. None in Louisiana. what was what were was they it? were they third they were one of the uh, they have some of the highest were, rates of oh gee i wonder yes. why i have some of the highest rates of food stamps because they have no minimum wage louisiana because was number seven this is so crazy because <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is because how you guys we hate vote. and it's classism and we hate poor people <laughs> yeah and it, it, yeah. it supersedes we already know we already know that Everybody hates black people and women. We got it. But we hate poor people, too. We also hate uh, anyone with addiction. We hate them. We just want and, them to die. But, but even the poor people are Sick even... people. Yeah, even the poor... But the sad thing is, even some of the poor people that vote that way are in denial. Obviously, like when you go to these red states, which mm. we mentioned, Louisiana. they don't vote the right way because they're in denial. And they listen to these politicians mm. and they let them get in their head thinking that they're going to help them. Honey, you've been in this hole for decades. Yeah. You, you keep digging yourself in, especially with this administration, and you mm. keep voting that way. Honey, you are delusional. I, I don't want a box of food. I want to be able to choose my own food. If I'm poor, that, it doesn't mean I know how to feed myself. I, I don't want you to tell me how to eat. It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen, it by the way, because not. they found out it's too. It's more expensive. Of course it <laughs> to is. Box food, of <laughs> like it especially is. if you have a family of four, it's like that's gonna be more expensive to go out and buy food and ship right. it. You yeah. have to ship it to From the- where? <laughs> and what do you? So Louisiana, Maine, ten dollars. Maryland, nine twenty-five. Massachusetts, eleven. Michigan, nine twenty-five. Minnesota has nine sixty-five slash seven eighty-seven. I'm not sure uh. what that means. Mississippi, none. Mississippi, oh, Mississippi was another one of the big food stamps. <laughs> Missouri, seven eighty-five. Montana, eight thirty and four. So again, another one of these halfy halves. Four. Wait, what? What? what go back to eight thirty. Eight dollars and thirty cents slash four dollars. I think it's. I think that you know that's in these, the reservation. These double things. I I don't know what these. We're gonna look at the bottom about that. Montana what those is things. really sketchy. They paying them indigenous people for something an hour. That's mm. what that bullshit is. Nebraska nine dollars. Nevada eight twenty five and seven twenty five depending. Uh, New Hampshire repealed by HB one thirty three. So they have no more. It doesn't exist Whoa. anymore in New Hampshire. That's. Okay, that's pretty scary that's too. Weird. New Jersey eight sixty, New Mexico seven fifty, New York ten forty, North Carolina seven twenty five, North Dakota seven twenty five, Ohio eight thirty and seven twenty five, Oklahoma seven twenty five slash two dollars. <gasps> we gotta look at that. What what these extra things are? Oregon ten twenty five dollars. I know two dollars. Pennsylvania seven twenty five. Puerto Rico seven twenty five slash five oh eight. What? Rhode Island ten ten. South Carolina none. None in South oh, Carolina. You're killing me. South Dakota eight eighty five. Tennessee none. That was another on the list. one of them. That was on. The- Texas seven twenty five. Utah seven twenty five. Vermont ten fifty. Virgin <sighs> Islands nine fifty. Virginia seven twenty five. Washington eleven fifty. West Virginia eight seventy five. Wisconsin seven twenty five. And Wyoming five fifteen. What? Oh, yeah. that the indigenous people again. Mm. Two dollar. Mm, I knew it, Oklahoma was a shitty state. But two, are you fucking kidding this me? This is interesting. Mon- Montana, the $4 rate applies to businesses with gross annual sales of 110000 or less. Eight fifteen applies to all others. So if you... Work at the Dollar General? Yeah. If you don't make enough money, if your the business doesn't make enough money, then you don't make... They, they're basically helping someone have a business by saying, well, they need employees, but they don't make enough money, so... Oh. We only need to pay so them $4 an hour. So it could be like a small business, in other words. 
Right. That's fucked up. That's it is. That's fucked it's up. It's saying that if you own a small business that doesn't make a lot of money, you don't have to pay people a lot of money, which doesn't make That's any sense to me. Fucked up. And then let's go to Oklahoma. That two. That is that. That is some slave yeah, wage for real. Oklahoma was. Let's see. <sighs> Oklahoma, you're not okay. Uh, Twelve. <laughs> That was number 12. Oklahoma, employers of 10 or more full-time employees at any one location and employers with annual gross sales over $100,000, irrespective of the number of full-time employees, are subject to federal minimum wage. All others are subject to state minimum wage of $2 an hour. So similarly, if your business makes less than $100,000 a year, you can pay people two dollars an hour so um so you know what that means so taking out taxes that means that's 50 cents oh my god wow so you would make a dollar 50 an hour in oklahoma if you work for somebody who makes less if the business makes less than 100 you're making a dollar 50 that's nuts that's nuts that's fucking sad it is it is unbelievable to me that uh, the Georgia state minimum wage is 515. Employees covered under the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act are subject to the federal minimum wage of 725. But those not covered under the FLSA may be paid by the state minimum wage of 515. <laughs> okay, so tax yeah. taking taxes out of that, that means you're making three. Three fifteen an hour, three dollars an hour. An hour. <laughs> uh, I can't even buy a bag of potato chips with that shit. I, I, what are you gonna? <laughs> uh, so in Ohio, it's eight twenty-five or seven twenty-five. So it's seven twenty-five for employers grossing less than two hundred and ninety-nine thousand dollars a year. So they have these exceptions <sighs> for smaller businesses, so that it doesn't kill the small business. And this is why a lot of the small business owners didn't want the um, the minimum minimum wage to go up because of that factor. Yeah. God damn, our system I, is... We are... Cla- this mm. Classism. The American motivation myth. We'll end on this. Long ago, long gone are the days of going to college, getting a degree, and getting a well-paying job to start a family. Today's young workers have a choice between a lifetime of debt or taking their chances without a degree. In a world where degrees are of ever-growing importance, neither of which play into the American dream of old. Some readers may be thinking that this is obvious and that a little motivation can help anyone break out of their class and find success. <laughs> While this is mostly true, not entirely, it takes money to make money, which anyone working with an average wage job will not have, classism is still highly dangerous as it camouflages itself very well. With the majority of Americans thinking that low wages, high tuition costs, and average homes are all part of being middle class, they are unaware of the true position they are in. When people believe that poverty is middle class, they will no longer fight to be respected by those in charge. The American people are feeling the effects of classism like very few other places in the world. And many are finally waking up to the reality that the American dream has been replaced by an American nightmare. And finding a way around it involves ditching the idea of a middle class in an attempt to find financial security outside of it. Yeah, there has been, there has never been an American dream for me, so I've always lived in the real world. Right. Well, I've and, always and, been for white folks. Well, Sorry. And, and the thing is that, <laughs> no, no, no. And hey, I was born on third base and I went to college and I have four degrees, but I still make $12,000 a year. So like the American dream, I was told like, 
I, I, the, the worst thing is I was told, love art, dance, do art and write and do all that <laughs> until you're 18. And then you go to college and they're like, make money, make money. Become a robot. And then they blame, my dad blamed me when I said, hey, you know, I'm, I don't like these these classist memes you're sending me. And, and he says, I said, you know, I'm on food stamps too and I work like 80 hours a week. And he writes back and says, Pam, you chose the business you're in. So it's basically like, as a child for 23 years, so as a ballet, I was a ballerina for 23 years, I was classically trained on piano for 13 years, I have an undergraduate degree, I have two master's degrees, and I make no money. Your daddy because, don't know shit. And that's what they say though, they go, well you chose to be an artist. And it's like, why can't we, why would you tell okay. me that art is okay and art is great I, and I can live as an artist and be happy? And then in reality, that's not true at all. Can I say something? Yeah. Like, if you were still right now working at Ethan Allen, you're, your job, well, here's the thing. That's if you would have still been working at Ethan well, Allen. You you probably would have been laid off by this point in time. Absolutely. Because that's another thing that happens when you work in corporate America, especially now, because there is no guaranteed that you are going to be able to stick with that job. And, and that's the scary thing. The other problem with it was that I went into that business not knowing what it was worth and what other people made. So they got me for a steal at 36000 a year. And Which then, is not, with a college degree? With a college be, degree, I should have been. I mean, but the problem was because I'd been doing set design previously. So I was like the highest paid set designer in San Diego. But then I realized like, oh my God, I'm the lowest paid visual merchandiser in the universe. But once I was locked in at that rate, every year, the most I could get was the 3% raise. That's bullshit. So I worked there for three years and I and I tried to get into management because I was like, you know, I don't feel like I'm making enough money. And they're like, no, no, we really like you where you are as a visual merchandiser. And so, so I said, basically, you're not giving me the opportunity to have financial uh, upward mobility here at Ethan Allen. And they were that's, like, that's when you we do really right like thing. it. We really like you where you are. Uh, so that was one that's, of the But like, that's you doing the right thing. And that's still any person, any adult, any college educated person should not be making $36,000 well, a year. According so this to is, our... This is the way that we were so... Uh, the way we were brought up as a so-called American dream. You know, you, your worth was not... Basically, you weren't. I, I used to have this problem too because when I was a teacher and I taught 20 years ago, I was only making 24 grand a year. And <laughs> and so when, and I would, because all of my friends were veterinarians and doctors and stuff and they were all making all this money and I always felt like I'm not worth anything. And even when I got tried to get insurance, tried to get life insurance. So my ex-husband got life insurance and they told me, you're not worth anything. That's what the insurance, life insurance said. They said, there's no reason to insure you because you're not worth anything. I've been facing it my entire life. I am worthless. I was supposed to be a mother. I have all of the skills to be a mom, but you know what? I don't want to have a baby. So where does that leave me? I'm like the I'm like the most educated white woman in the world who has no upward mobility. Anyways, I sort of hate America right now, and I really wish that socialism could take hold so that people's gifts could be, you know, utilized and monetarily valued. I hate feeling like I'm not worth anything because I want to believe that what I'm doing has worth and has importance, but I kind of can't because I make 12 grand a year. Do you know? So it's like... Right, right. That's so, $1,000 a month, right. which is, again, not a livable wage. Well, it pays my rent. It pays your rent, but yeah. even when you were working at the soap, you know, at Ethan Allen, but 36, 30, $36,000... But I was really still only taking home like 12 grand because first, the... That they took out the taxes and then they took out the insurance. And so I was working for $36,000 a year, but what did I really bring home? Probably about 12 grand. So what I basically know is that in America, 
I am worth $12,000. And to real Americans, I am worthless. I am meaningless and worthless because I don't make any money. Thank you, AltaCast. Try being black. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> I'm so, and, and I'm so lucky that I'm not brown. You know what I mean? And and I'm so lucky that I'm not. But like, you're a woman, so well, there, you deserve it. Well, Shut up, bitch. And 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 in 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 my, for my if my parents would say, go put on a nice silk suit and sell that vagina and put on some fucking makeup <laughs> and be a woman, god damn it, and get put some on guy some to take pads. care of you. Get somebody to take care of you. That I mean, that's the, look like a man, bitch. I mean, I don't. It's I'm I get it. I'm worthless. Hey everybody, buy your tickets for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Now. Or so I'll, that I can keep being worthless. Or I'll find I, you. I don't know how to. That's the thing is, well, I don't do this anymore. I don't. I mean, if we don't get them enough money, I don't know what kind of job I could do. I have no idea. What I'm, Putting on a power suit with some shoulder pads, fucking deck. At this point, I'm unemployable because I'm 43 and I haven't been in the work. I haven't been in real work for so many years, for over 10 years. So, like, what am I going to go back into visual merchandising? They're, they're going to be like, it's been 10 years since you've done anything like that. How are we even going to? They would probably offer you only $20,000. Right, exactly. yeah. I'm like, great. With how many degrees? I know. I had too many degrees. Anyway, teaching on credential, that note, two masters, undergraduate you, degrees. Somebody's your master. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I just. Thanks, guys, for listening to AltaCast. Uh, classism. Yay. Thank you, LaToya. Uh, super excited about the festival starting tomorrow. Yay. Go get your tickets. It's going to be fun. Or else we'll murder you. Yeah, I mean, I can't. We got, we don't have guns here. Don't worry. We just have uh, mouths. All right, coming up next, some Call Me Tim. Bye. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Run!
my friends here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skin Care. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base ten times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join the Green Army.com. 